Live from the Alberta Abbey, it's Portland Story Theatre's special St. Patrick's Day show, Luck of the Irish. May the narrative be with you. I was 30 years old when the ghost of my father first came to visit me. I was lying on a surgical table, and I felt this warm press of fingers on the nape of my neck. And I could smell this beer and sweat mixed with Old Spice (laughs) smell. And I know it's not the anesthesiologist because I can see him and there's nobody else in the room. And I can hear this little song being sung in my ear. It goes like this. Dum, 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 here comes the king, here comes the big number one. Dum, 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 here comes the king, here comes the second to none. So this this whole ghost thing started way back, um, back in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the 1970s. And uh, let's just see, okay, the Steelers were winning Super Bowls, yeah. And I'm probably about seven or eight, and I'm crowded around the dining room table with my brothers and my sister, and the baby, my baby brother, and my mom. And it's really late at night, it's 8.45, and dinner's on our plate, but we're waiting for dad. And dad is late because it's payday. And, um, you know, he stopped off at the bar. So uh, my mom's pretty pissed, and my dad comes to the door, and he's got a 12-pack under this arm, and he's got a birthday cake that says, Happy Birthday Nobody, (laughs) because it's really nobody's birthday. And, I mean, and he's laughing and singing and just like, what? And my mom is like, it's about time. Oh, come on, Tizzy, you know, I just... I was just having a good time with the guys after work, and we were just, you know, I lost track of time, you know. Fine, forget about it. Let's just sit down and eat. So, you know, okay, let's eat, and I'm starting to shovel it. Wait, it's time for grace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. So we start shoveling food in. Really? Really, buddy, do you have to say Holy Ghost? I mean... It's time. You need to say the Holy Spirit. That's the way the Catholic Church wants it. We need to say Holy Spirit. Yeah, Tizzy, I have to say Holy Ghost because that's how I was taught, and I believe that. Well, that's just ridiculous. You shouldn't fill the children's head with nonsense. There's no such thing as ghosts. Sure, I talk to my Uncle Ed all the time. Well, it's just ridiculous. Fine. I know when I'm not wanted, and he puts down his beer, and he goes off to his room and slams the door. So, um, you know, then mom puts the baby to bed, and we're clearing the dishes away, and I hear the door creak open, creak, and my dad says, Bethy, can you bring your dear old dad a glass of water? So I get the water, and I, I bring it into him, and I love spending time with my dad because he's so funny and excitable, and I'm like, Dad, Dad, is it really true what you said about ghosts? Do you mean that? Do you really believe in ghosts? Yeah, Bethy, of course I believe in ghosts. I talk to Uncle Ed all the time. Wow, cool, Dad. Dad, Dad, are we going to the St. Patrick's Day Parade on Saturday? Maybe. We'll see, Bethy. We'll see how my my legs hurt me. Dad, Dad, what makes us Irish? I mean, have you ever been to Ireland? Oh, hell no, I've never been to Ireland. He's like, how would I afford that? But we're Irish. We're like Pittsburgh Irish. Because... (laughs) 
my people are Irish, and your mother's people are Irish, and we're Irish in here, and we're Irish in here, and we're Irish because we tell stories. Wow, cool, Dad. Dad, Dad, tell me the story about the time that you swam across the Monongahela River on a dare. Oh, for the love of God, Beth Ann, will you please be quiet and go to bed? So, I go to bed. Well, later that summer, I get really sick, and I'm, like, throwing up and vomiting, and I have a high fever, and, you know, it's kind of hard in our house to get to the doctor, because we got one car, five kids, mom's at home, and, but it's five days in, and I'm not getting better, and so she finally takes me to the doctor, and he says, Liz, you got to take her straight to the emergency room. She needs an emergency appendectomy, and she calls my dad, says, meet me there. And we get in the car, and we race there. And she's nervous and worried. And I'm laying in this hospital bed. And I'm so dehydrated that they're not even going to operate. And I'm kind of just, it's really weird. I'm sitting in the hospital bed, but I'm right by the elevator doors. And I'm just watching them open and close and open and close. And I'm watching the clock. And I'm waiting for my dad, I'm waiting for dad. And dad finally shows up, and he comes over. And he's kind of scared, you know, because I'm really, really sick. And, but I can smell beer on him. And even in my, like, eight-year-old mind, I think, wow, he stopped at the bar before he came to see me at the hospital. I'm like, <laughs> shit. So he sings me the song. Dump, 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 dump. Here comes the king. Here comes the big number one. Dump, 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 dump. Here comes the king. Here comes the second to none. Budweiser, when you say bud, you've said it all. When you say bud, you've said it all. <laughs> well, of course, I survived that surgery. <clears throat> okay, so my mom, my mom is lace curtain Irish, right? She's all about church. She's all about making sure we look good when we go to church. And she's all about making sure our chores are done on time and everything is in order. And my dad is like shanty Irish. He grew up literally in the shadow of a steel mill in a shanty town called Hazelwood, PA, which is just down the river from Pittsburgh. Um, so dad's had kind of a tough life. He was in a car accident when my parents were first dating, and he lost his leg. And it took him two years to recover from that. And my mom stayed with him the whole time. And then they had all five of us kids. So, um, you know, things can be tough sometimes. Now, we fast forward, it's the 1980s in Pittsburgh, and things are very different. Uh, the Steelers are losing terribly, and uh, unemployment is very high. All the steel mills are shutting down, and my dad is forced into early retirement, and it's very hard on him. And my mom is empowered, though, because she goes back to work. And I suddenly reconnect with my mom because I'm, you know, helping her out, helping keep the family on track. But my dad and I are fighting a lot. And I remember one cold wintery afternoon and we were fighting and he had way too much to drink and I was really obnoxious and 17. And we just had nasty words and he actually pushed me. And I was so shocked because my father had never, ever raised a hand to any of us. So, that pushing me was very much a, a sign. It was very much part of who he was at that time. And I moved out when I was 19. And I recall years later talking to my brothers and sisters, and he's 
they all, we all agree that he pretty much did the same thing to all of us. He wanted to see us be independent. And that was his way of fathering us. Um, but as soon as I moved out, it was amazing. It was like that. He was suddenly cool again. I mean, I would be so broke and eating ramen noodles. And there would be like, he'd see me and he'd give me 20 bucks. He'd be like, don't tell your mother, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just really different, you know. Always bringing food, bringing beer by the house. And then when I moved to California, it was even better because my dad loved the West Coast and he had been there for a short time when he was young and felt that that was where we were supposed to go next, immigrate next to the West Coast. Um, so he came to visit many times and one time we were planning this visit and we're on the phone and he's like, Bethy, I got the tickets. I got the tickets. This is going to be great. Can you just make sure that you get a place that has... So I can throw a line in the water. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Dad, it's going to be cool. Bethy, this is going to be great. Yeah, Dad, it's going to be great. Bethy, Bethy, I love you. Yeah, Dad, I love you too. And I hung up the phone. And the very next morning, the phone rang. And it was my brother. My dad was dead. And now... In all the rush and commotion of getting tickets, flying back, being prepared, talking on the phone with family, I felt cold and numb and tingly, but there was some kind of feeling inside of me, and I just felt it pulling and coming up to the surface. And the weird thing was, it wasn't sadness, it was joy. I was so happy. I was so absolutely happy because his spirit was free. His spirit was free of pain, the pain of his lost leg, the pain of addiction. And he went like that. He was not a trouble or a burden to anyone. And at my dad's funeral, you couldn't even get into that place. I mean, it was, it was a room smaller than this stage, and there was 150 people to 200 people there. I mean, there were old friends, people that used to live on the street. All the cousins and aunts and uncles from everywhere came in, and all his friends from this bar that he used to drink at, and his friends from that bar, and his friends from that bar. And some of them had just come right down the street from me at the bar because they were really drunk. But it didn't matter because everyone in that place was laughing and telling stories. And I can't tell you how many people came up to me and grabbed my hand and shook it and said, your dad was the greatest guy in the whole world. Your dad always had five bucks for me. He could always spot me a beer until payday. Your dad told the best stories. We would laugh our asses off at the bar with your dad. And I kept thinking, man, I just felt so proud to be his daughter. I'm like, in that moment, I'm, and I'm looking around, like literally, I'm looking up to see where he is because he's got to be watching this. Well, less than a year later, when I'm lying on that surgical table and I hear that little song in my ear, that goose tingly feeling, and I am so happy because he came. I'm having my baby. I'm getting ready to have a C-section and my, my first child is coming into this world and he came to visit me. And now my dad comes to visit me, not as often as I'd like, 
but I see him in so many different ways. I see him in the eyes of a stranger. Sometimes, like once I went into a bar with my sister and we saw this fella and he was just looking in admiration and my dad's song came on the jukebox and it was not a common song. Or sometimes I see him when I got a new dog and he's just some guy at the park that has to talk to me about my awesome new dog and he gives me that piece of advice I need just at that moment. And sometimes it's in that place between wakefulness and sleep when he tells me, Bethy, you haven't been feeding the birds. <laughs> Bethy, you got to write down these stories. You got to tell these stories, Bethy. And I know that when he passed, he never left. He is still here. And he's here. And he is here. Amen. Thank you.